Well, my name's Sarah Jane. If we haven't met yet, I'm the RUF intern here. And before coming up to Burlington, I went to Appalachian State University, go Nears, um, down in the mountains of North Carolina. And while I was there, this personality test called the Enneagram became really popular. If you have any questions about it, you can totally hit up Amber. <laughs> um, but if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs is another really common one that's similar. And these types of tests were huge when I was in middle and high school, too, since we're all trying to find ways to help understand who we are. And personality tests can be a really helpful tool to have a starting point to kind of self-reflect. Um, there's some tests and quizzes that are obviously more helpful than others. Um, like there's some BuzzFeed quizzes, like which Twilight character are you most? Or the first one I remember taking in sixth grade was like, which clothing brand is the most you? Which, you know, really helped angsty preteens like myself in middle school figure out who they were. Um, and that's like pretty cringe, but things like personality tests can be really insightful for us to be introspective. Um, a way to take time to analyze and think about where we are and what is at the root of our lives. Regardless if you've taken a personality test before or not, um, I invite you to be a bit introspective tonight. If you've been around the past couple weeks at Wednesday Night Fellowship, no fear if you haven't, um, we've looked at three other types of soil in this parable, and tonight we'll be focusing on the last one, the good soil. And I just want to ask you to think about where your heart is tonight. And if you feel like your heart is a bit more like the hard soil or the rocky soil or the thorny, sto- thorny soil, but your life would look like rooted in good soil. Um, Landscapes can change, and thankfully the story of the hard soil is not the final story. And if you see yourself rooted in good soil, tonight I ask that you just think about what fruit is being produced in your life and what fruit you want to pray more to see of. Wherever you're at tonight, and whichever soil you see resembling your heart the most, um, we're just really glad you're here. So tonight we'll end our time in the parable of the sower, And we'll be talking about what makes the good soil good and what it means to bear good fruit. So before we dive in, I'll pray for us. Um, God, thank you so much for these friends here, for our worship team, um, setting our hearts and minds on you, Lord, um, for good pizza from Leonardo's and the hands that made it. Um, I just pray that um, you calm our hearts tonight, Lord, and give us a space to... um, Really reflect on where you are in our hearts and lives and be able to invite you in. Pray all this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus says, starting in verse 8, if you want to follow on, on your passage or just listen along, um, he says, Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then he picks back up in verse 20. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. So in this story, good is synonymous with fruit bearing or being fertile. Unlike the hard path, it it is open and receptive to the seed or God's word. Unlike the shallow soil, it is able to put down roots. It has space to grow. And unlike the thorny soil, it's weeded and it's pruned. This good soil is a set apart from the other soils. It has what it needs to grow, which the other three lack. So in good soil, we need a sower, we need to be receptive, we need roots, 
and we need relationships. When we get to the end of this passage, Jesus doesn't give us some kind of like guidebook or podcast series, at least not directly, of like how to be the good soil. He isn't saying, so you want to be good soil? Here's how to do it in five steps, 30 minutes or less, while you're doing your laundry, in between classes. But instead, he gives, them, gives, gives us himself, the gardener, to come and tend our hearts alongside us. He is healing us and doing the dirty work alongside us and for us. We aren't growing in isolation or in the wild. Instead, we have a gardener that is caring for us well. So we need to be receptive. We need to take in the seed and receive it well from the sower. This receptiveness or being open to God is to be open to his work and his word. This is a heart that is listening to God's word. This is where the good soil is unlike the hard path. It is softened and it's able to take in the seed and be receptive to it. So we also need to be rooted and have an underground system that continues to grow deeply there was a study at the University of Arizona a couple of years back um, where they wanted to study plants and trees growing and made a biosphere to see how the planet's living trees and systems actually worked. What they ended up finding was super surprising, though. Um, but they, the trees and plants in the biosphere would start growing. They would look healthy and sprout up everything that looked right. Um, but they started becoming brittle and collapsing. They weren't able to fully mature. They found the reason that they weren't able to grow is because there was no wind in the biosphere. They found that wind forces a plant to grow deeper roots when without enough deep roots, plants fall and they fail. We need hidden support systems. Recent studies have also shown that about 90% of people that identify as Christians going into college leave their faith during their four years on campus, which is a huge number. Um, I've seen this happen with some of my closest friends. Um, that loved and really followed Jesus adamantly, uh, but sadly have fallen away from faith and from God. And this hurts to watch um, because their roots weren't deep enough. They didn't have enough keeping them down to sustain them in their faith. But what really is highlighted from this is the importance of and need to continue growing deep roots that can reach water and nutrients below the ground that bring us everlasting life. Our roots anchor us to Jesus we need to grow deeper in him so that we don't get brittle and fall away and fail. When our roots don't grow deep enough, we can't receive water and nutrients that we need to keep living. And we also need relationships. Like John talked about last week, we need a loving community in the church and on campus to walk alongside us in this and point us to Jesus. Um, people that just don't encourage us but help us move towards him and can point out our blind spots lovingly. They can walk with us in questions that are hard or doubts and defeaters we have and that support us in growing our roots deeper. Friends and community that can point out to us a healer that doesn't just kick over soil, you know, like patch it up and pretend that it doesn't need fixing, but really goes in and takes out um, the root of what is the pain, the bullet itself out of our heart, not just healing a patch over or a Band-Aid. So in summing it up, if we learn from the lessons of the story, if we are looking to Jesus and his word, are receptive, rooted, and in relationship, we will be fruitful. Fruit is the natural byproduct of this, and fruit is inevitable. It brings us to a second point of what is good fruit. So fruit is produce, like you see at City Market, Trader Joe's, the avocados, um, but also what we produce and what is produced in us. 
simply put, fruit is what we see come out of our hearts and lives. So what is coming out of our lives, good fruit, um, is another way of saying that we are doing good works, namely doing justice and loving others the way Jesus loves us. In Isaiah 5, God speaks through Isaiah, a prophet, about a vineyard that God plants. In this analogy, the vineyard that God plants is his people, the people of Israel. And God is the vineyard dresser. Everything looks good at first, and God is expecting fruit. Um, But then the vineyard produces sour grapes, fruit that isn't good, and it doesn't produce good wine. The fruit that was supposed to come from this vineyard, representing the people of God in Israel, um, was justice and righteousness. And instead, all that's discovered is injustice. He looked for justice and found bloodshed, and looked for righteousness and only found sinfulness or a lack of goodness. This analogy shows how God wanted his people to produce fruit, but instead laments the bitterness of the fruit found. God deeply desires righteousness and justice to flow out of our lives. Um, We see also in John 15, Jesus is telling the story of being the true vine in it. And in it, God is the same vine dresser as we see in the passage in Isaiah. Um, And Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches. He is communicating that as his branches... We cannot bear fruit unless we abide or live by him, that we need to be in relation to him. And he says in verses 8 and 9, By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And we discover here that fruit isn't just justice, but loving others in the same way that Jesus did. When Jesus is speaking in verse 8 in our passage about the crop of the good soil, or the fruit, this is another way of saying good is pouring out of our lives. This looks like doing good deeds of doing justice, loving others like Jesus, acts of mercy, charity, compassion, healing the sick, and caring for the refugee. In terms of the day-to-day life of a college student, though, this could look like compassion for someone on campus that usually just don't associate with at all, or people that you you know, subconsciously kind of categorize yourself as better than. Or it could look like speaking up for justice for those who are hurt and harmed on campus. It could look like um, tithing or giving to the local church, even if it's just $10 a month. It looks like taking time to volunteer with a refugee center or serve the homeless at a place like a new place, and so on. But we see in Isaiah, or Micah 6-8, that the Lord has told you, told us, we, what is good and what he requires of you. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And while this all might sound like a lot, like on top of just like living, um, when you're living in a life rooted in Jesus, it flows out of us. Um, this fruit naturally bears. And these acts of justice and righteousness, of love and kindness, of doing what is right, fixing what is broken, healing what is hurt, and setting straight what is crooked. Um, it gives us a glimpse of what the world is supposed to be like. It is, a give, is giving a place for people to experience and taste and see what God is doing and going to do in restoring the world. A place where all wrongs are made right and every last tear is wiped from every eye. And there's something about this idea of being made right that like all of us long for. No matter if you're in the church or you're sitting here and can't stand the church, like we all know that deep down, um, there needs to be things made right. It's ingrained into who we are. 
Righteousness and justice are ingrained into our souls and in our hearts to be so good, something we yearn for, because it's a glimpse of where our heavenly home is with our heavenly Father. It is a taste for how God wants us to live with him forever. And from the biblical perspective, good fruit looks like justice. And along with these reflections of the kingdom externally, we see this work being done internally too, and what God is producing in us. In other words, good fruit also looks like good character. We see in Galatians 5:22 through 23 that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's not just what we're doing outwardly, but it's what we're becoming, too. It's not what we're just producing, but what God and the Holy Spirit are producing producing in us. Jesus isn't basing this plentiful harvest he's talking about of the good soil on just what is, but also what is happening over time, where we are heading. He loved us before we knew him, and he has a plan for how we're growing. He knows both where we're coming from, where we are, but also where we're going. Um, in Vito's ordination song by Sufjan Stevens, which great song, all one of my favorites, um, Sufjan puts this really beautifully. So he's singing from the perspective of Jesus. I always knew you in your mother's arms. I have called your name. I have an idea placed in your mind to be a better man or woman in this case. And we see this reflected in Psalm 139 too, that he knit us together before we even existed. Just crazy, right? Like, that just like goes outside of my mind. Um, Jesus illuminates the path we walk alongside him, the path of goodness, um, the path that brings us closer to his kingdom. Um, as Matthew McConaughey puts it well, when we hear where we are, then we can see where we're going. When we are receptive and rooted and in relationship with others, what we've seen are essential in good soil. We can see where we're heading. We can see where we're heading in the kingdom when we have these things that are essential. And right now, you may not exhibit much patience. And Lord knows, I don't all the time. <laughs> um, but in time, if the soil of your heart is good, then Jesus will create patience in it. Or if you're feeling a lot of anxiety, maybe there will be seasons where you don't feel as anxious. For my anxious heart, that's really good news. This is where we be- can begin taking stock and being introspective and seeing where fruit is missing in our lives, what we wish there could be more of, and what we can pray to see God grow in us. You can think of fruit of the Spirit also as like the fruit's flavor, not just what we're producing of justice and love, but also its freshness. Not just the apple, but the freshness of the taste. We've all seen red apples that are mealy and mushy. If you haven't, you can come on Saturday. I'll show you some mealy apples. It'll be really fun. (laughs) Um, But other apples taste sweet and crisp, right? Like, there's the gross ones, and then you have, like, the crisp crisp boys. Um, They're the same thing. They're both apples, but they're different. We've seen people do justice, but it tastes angry. It tastes performative. It's vengeful. It's sour. But in contrast, there are others who do justice, and it tastes restorative and humanizing. Um, It tastes really just sweet. We've seen people love in the way of the world, selfish and contractual, um, as long as it works for me, as long as this is filling what I need. And then there's a love that is Christ-like, a love that is sacrificial and long-suffering, 
it's patient and it's forgiving and so on. In Matthew 25, 31, we see Jesus describing a vision of when we come face to face with him in the kingdom of heaven. He's telling the righteous, or another word for the ones that follow Jesus, um, that they will inherit or live in and be a part of the kingdom because when he was hungry, they gave him food. When he was thirsty, they gave him drink. They clothed him. They visited him in sickness and in prison. In response to this, the righteous ask, when do we see you, feed you, clothe you? Like They're like in surprise. Like, when did that happen? And he responds, the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of my brothers, you did to me. He's saying that they did do all those things, but they couldn't even like, pin it down because it was so second nature to them. They didn't have to think through, do I really want to feed this man? Do I really want to clothe him? Do I really want to befriend this stranger? Do I really want to give this person food? Instead, they just kind of did it. Um, it becomes section, and it becomes second nature to us, too, to love others in this way, in the way of Jesus when we're connected to him. When we're in an intimate and close relationship to him, we become more and more like him. Good fruit shows a picture of the good life, um, the way we were meant to live. It's a life full of flavor, and it's a life that looks a lot like Jesus. The seed that the farmer plants, the kingdom of God, is one that's really easily overlooked. The seed appears really small. It's insignificant. It's a kingdom that everyone who has ears, which is all of us, needs to listen for, as he tells us in verse 9. Unlike earthly ones, God's kingdom isn't loud. Earthly kingdoms are like boulders that drop down and break up the land and break up everything. These kingdoms come by force. Um, they don't listen, but instead they demand to be heard. In contrast, the smallest, a seed is small. We miss it. It doesn't break up the land, but instead it transforms it. Whereas a boulder is hard to miss. Boulders can't produce any fruit because they kill the land. They crush it and they suffocate it. It doesn't leave a place for anything to grow. Only the power of a small and gentle seed can create life. Jesus isn't out for um, making people break or forcing his kingdom for making slaves out of us. He wants to invite us instead to receive a life that transforms us from the inside out, um, that's transforming all the land through a kingdom of listening. A place where life bursts out all from the DNA inside of a really small seed. And if we allow that seed to get inside of us, um, if we put down deep roots, if we live in a community and in relationship with one another, good fruit will eventually emerge. It's inevitable. Earthly kingdoms, anything that we let kind of center our lives except for God, will all pass away. But the kingdom of God will never end. This is why we need to listen well and hear it well and receive it well. Christ died because we failed to produce fruit, and Christ was raised to make us become a place where life can spring out, where he can spring out. We are the work of his hands, the garden of he is tending, the field that he is working to produce good fruit and to draw us into a vision of his home. Let's pray.